for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, we bring you part two of our conversation with Bonnie Bernstein as we discuss the impact this global pandemic is having on traditional collegiate athletics. From eligibility to the timing of fall sports to why it seems an absolute necessity that we have a college football season. There is so many layers to this conversation and we'll get into them all. It's Monday, April 20th. All right, Bonnie, we dove deep into esports on Friday, and I learned a lot of stuff I didn't know before. What benefits playing esports provide? That was fascinating. Why the students who make up our college teams, like the esports squad over at Cal, have a real legitimate argument for wanting to be called student athletes. And now I'd like to switch gears and talk about the sports that you've covered for over two decades, traditional collegiate athletics. No March Madness, no spring sports, the college football season, all the other fall sports currently a question mark. So as someone who's covered all of these sports for over 20 years now, what aspects of the ongoing conversation about them have stood out to you? Wow. How much time do you have? (laughs) I I think as a former student athlete, the notion of a season getting erased because of something that's completely out of our control and hopefully just a a once-in-a-lifetime tragedy that we're experiencing, really. It just breaks my heart for any student athlete, whether it's the winter sport athletes who got all the way through the regular season and we're looking forward to hopefully a postseason having that taken away, and then the spring athletes just having their seasons completely wiped out. What I think sticks out most to me are two aspects of this whole thing. Number one, eligibility, and number two, what's going to happen to fall sports? And that's just not football. It's it's all fall sports. So from an eligibility perspective, what's interesting is that the NCAA has basically said, okay, spring athletes, it's cool for you to get a season of eligibility back if you want it. But the NCAA has decided to leave it up to the individual schools as to whether in fact they want to do that. And each school has its own process. And a lot of that has to do with the level of financial stability, A, taking into account that they're not going to be getting the NCAA tournament money, and B, not knowing what the football season is going to look like. So there's that piece. And, you know, I would imagine that a lot of the SEC schools will be able to say, okay, student athletes, if you want to come back, we're going to have the funds to cover that. I know the University of Oklahoma has said any student athlete who wants to come back, we're going to have the funds to cover it. At the University of Maryland, where I went, Basically, Damon Evans, the athletics director, is charging the coaches to go out and figure out which of their student athletes wants to come back. They're going to aggregate that, take a look at the numbers, and then figure out, can we give student athletes the same allotment they had last year or can we not? And if not, what's that number? And then interestingly enough, Barry Alvarez, who's the athletics director at Wisconsin, came out the other day and he was like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing it. Sorry seniors from these spring sports, you can't come back, which is heartbreaking. But when you start doing the number crunching and you also understand, Kate, that there is a huge trickle down effect from an eligibility standpoint, because a lot of the seniors who are leaving are starters. You've got sophomores, juniors, freshmen waiting to move up and take those spots. And you've got a slew of freshmen coming in thinking there's an opportunity to start because a senior is graduating. And if those expectations or those possibilities aren't there, 
And depending on what the D1 Council decides about transfers, uh, when they have their vote in the coming weeks about like, okay, can you transfer for any reason or no reason at all and have immediate eligibility? Is that going to open the floodgates? So there are all sorts of things that athletics directors have to consider when they individually determine, are we going to give student athletes that extra year of eligibility or are we not? Or is there going to be some sort of middle ground? Okay, so we've addressed eligibility. You said the other aspect of this conversation that stood out to you is what happens to our fall sports, specifically football. And a comment Pac-12 related that stood out to me was UCLA's head coach Chip Kelly saying, the NCAA can say that, hey, you guys are all going back, but if Governor Newsom says we're not going back, then we're not going back. UCLA, like Cal, is a public school, so that makes sense. Which leads us to the question everybody is asking. Why is having a college football season so important? Well, It's like I said, Kate, this really isn't an if but when proposition, because if you take into account that athletics departments already are not getting the NCAA tournament money, and then you take into account that by and large, there are so many universities that rely heavily on football revenue to bankroll their entire athletics department. So that's TV money, booster money, ticket sales, concessions, merchandise, parking. Because most programs that aren't football or basketball not only aren't making money, but they're losing money. So how's that going to get paid for? And for so many schools, that's football. So the notion of not having a football season in the 2020-2021 school year, that equates to financial ruin for so many athletics departments. I mean, we're talking about slashing budgets slashing coaches' salaries, potentially furloughing staff, and in an extreme case, maybe having to cut some sports, which, you know, there are all sorts of Title IX implications for that. And so from the athletics directors I've spoken with, there are a few different options. Number one, and the most idyllic case, which quite frankly, I don't think is realistic, starting the football season on time. Let's just put that to the side for a second. Number two, is delaying the start of the season, maybe October, November, and only doing a conference schedule, which creates issues in and of itself because some conferences have an eight-game conference schedule and mm-hmm. some have a nine-team Shout out schedule. to the Pac-12. So yeah. that, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> and then third, which may be the most viable, is having a season that starts after the new year. And I think there's value in truly considering it. Now, I I say this by prefacing the fact that I understand there are all sorts of logistical issues (laughs) that come with that. You know, what happens if the the venue is already committed for something else, if the stadium's committed for something else? There are logistical issues that would have to be figured out. But there wouldn't be anything nearly as catastrophic as not getting the football money coming in. But to your point, this is one of these rare situations that for as omnipotent as athletics departments tend to be on campus, they have zero control over this. Because if you're a public school, exactly what you said, if Gavin Newsom says, you see schools, it ain't happening. Yeah. It ain't happening. Cal, you see what you get. Every do. single yeah. one of these yeah, like every single one of these institutions has to wait for the academic side to determine what they're gonna do. Because if a school says we're gonna do fall semester online, 
how are you going to be able to justify a having 50 to 100,000 people congregate in a stadium on a Saturday afternoon? And B, how are you even getting student athletes on campus to train? And again, that's not just football. That's any fall athlete. And finally, and it's interesting because I put a poll on my Twitter account. I wanted to get a sense from fans when we're allowed to congregate again at sports events. How soon will you feel comfortable? And there's been a decent chunk, several thousand people who have responded. 30, I'd say a third of them have said, yep, ready to go back right away. But almost 50% are saying they're kind of skittish, they may want to wait, or no, not anytime soon for me. And I think everybody's comfort level will start to grow when we get to a situation collectively as a country where we've got widespread testing. We have the ability to have contact tracing, and we've got a vaccine that can be mass produced and distributed. And from a vaccine standpoint, everything we're hearing, that the soonest that will be is a year to a year and a half. So you know, taking all of these things into account, while it seems kind of crazy for football to be a winter slash spring sport, it does kind of make sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And thank you for going so in-depth with that answer. Don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know you are a busy lady. But one other thing that you and I chatted about, which I find really interesting because so many of my friends are already having to consider this because they've been laid off or furloughed in the, in the past couple of weeks. I don't know if you consider yourself having pivoted in your career, but I, I feel like you have because you started completely on air and now you're producing and executive producing and you have your own production company, which I consider a pivot. For folks who are questioning what to do, do they try to stay in sports or whatever job? This obviously can apply to so many industries right now. How are you able to accomplish something like pivoting that seems so overwhelming? It's an interesting proposition, specifically to anything we do in our industry, covering sports. I think one of the most empowering things I've learned is that storytelling is an applicable skill set that crosses virtually any industry. Any industry that's successful is successful in part because they have a great story to tell. So I was actually just chatting with one of my producers, sort of freaked out like we all are, (laughs) because... It's hard to create original content when there are no sports to create original content around. (laughs) Exactly. Now what? And and I say to him, I said, you got to remember, you're a storyteller. And as long as you have the confidence and courage in yourself to go out there and explore how else you can tell stories, there's always going to be a place for you. But on a broader scale, Kate, I, I think it comes down to just that. A lot of people wind up staying in their jobs or staying in industries where they're not happy because they're either comfortable being complacent or they're scared of the unknown. And it's that fear, I think, is really, really paralyzing. So for anybody who is thinking about pivoting or feels like they have to pivot because they have a mortgage to pay and they've got mouths to feed at home, it all starts with looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, Do I have confidence in myself? Can I be fearless? Can I understand that this is going to be hard? I'm going to have to start at the bottom of the mountain again. I will experience failure, but I have enough confidence in myself to know that if I keep my nose to the proverbial grindstone, I will succeed. 
And I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of athletes who are interested in going into business and they're athlete entrepreneurs. And I always say the same thing. You have to go back to that headspace when you were just starting to play the sport you love, where you were nothing. You were looking straight up the mountain. You knew that journey was going to be hard and grueling and tough, and you were going to deal with as many failures as you do successes, but you knew there was something inside you that enabled you to know you can do it. And, and I think that that same philosophy applies to pivoting. It really all starts with looking at yourself, being honest with yourself, and mustering the confidence to do it. Hmm. On that note, Bonnie, I'll let you get back to the rest of your day. This was wonderful. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge about so many different subjects. This was great. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you. And I will say... I'm so proud of you. I'm sure that most of your listeners don't know that you and I have known each other for a long time. And <laughs> nope. we had the chance to work together. And I tried as best as I could to coach you and give you some pointers <laughs> and, and be a mentor when you were very, very young and aspiring to do great things. And I feel fortunate to have come across somebody like you who I saw your raw talent. I saw your tenacity. I saw your hunger and your ambition. And I'm like, you know what? One of these days, Kate Scott's going to make it. And mm. the fact that you have, the fact that you've done play-by-play -play for 49ers Radio, the fact that you did play-by-play -play for the all-female produced and fronted NHL game recently, like, I see what you do, and I'm equal parts proud and in awe. So I love you, and mm. uh, it's great to be on with you. I love you too, Mama B. Talk to you soon. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Kate. Well, I'd say I picked a pretty good first mentor, wouldn't you? <laughs> My goodness. If you don't yet, give Bonnie a follow. She's at Bonnie Bernstein. That's S-T-E-I-N on Twitter. Coming up in the next week here on The Update, we'll do a deep dive on the 49ers and Raiders selections in this weekend's NFL Draft. We'll get into how local high school hoops phenom Jalen Green's decision to bypass college for the G League could change the game. And on our next show, we're going to preview that aforementioned draft with a focus on the Niners and Raiders' needs as well as their desires in a conversation with former NFL scout John Middlecoff. Don't forget, you can now listen to us through any of your Google devices. All you have to do is tell your assistant, play the update with Kate Scott Podcast. And as always, wherever you listen to us, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. For all of us here at The Update, thanks to Bonnie for stopping by. Thanks to you for continuing to listen. I'm Kate. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. Looking forward to talking some football with you on Wednesday.